This is The Road Less Travelled, presented by Nikki Shea. G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of The Road Less Travelled, the podcast that gives you plenty of information, insights and hopefully a taste of adventures to come with camping, cooking, plenty of road trips and adventures, travel all rolled into one episode. My name is Nikki Shea, welcome along for the next half an hour or so. And this week we're going to be talking about the west coast of the Eyre Peninsula in South Australia. If you've never been, again, make sure that you put it down on that list. I hope you've got that bucket list that's starting to unfold. And you'll have to go back to March this year where we did the east coast of Air Peninsula. That was on episode 11 of season 2 and I really recommend that you jump on and have a listen to that one. This week though we decided that we'd check out the other side of the Air Peninsula, one that I'm very, very familiar with. So this week, sit back, enjoy as we're going to have a little bit of a look at the west coast of the Air Peninsula. As always, with the show, you can interact at any time. Simply jump onto our social media platforms, which is Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, search for The Road Less Travel 2021, and on Facebook, it is The Road Less Travel Podcast. Jump onto the website, fatcatmedia.com.au. There you'll find out a little bit more information what we do with Fat Cat Media and some behind-the-scenes stuff as well. And, of course, you can interact with me at any time. Email me at fatcat at iinet.net.au. That's fatcat with a P-H-A-T-C-A-T at iinet.net.au. SMS or give me a phone call on 042-752-8467. Let us know how we're going. Drop us a little bit of feedback and please share the podcast or with your friends. Give us a like and a review and we'd be really appreciative of that. But this week though, we're on to the west coast of the Air Peninsula in South Australia. So as I mentioned for episode 11 of series 2, we headed to the east coast of the Eyre Peninsula from Port Augusta right down to Port Lincoln. This week I thought that we'd talk from Port Lincoln and head our way up towards um, Sejuna. And there's no other place in South Australia really that has surprised more people than finding out about a secret. It's a private park known as Whaler's Way, which is just out of Port Lincoln. Hidden from the main road, locked behind a closed gate and far enough away from the public eye that you'll find yourself immersed in natural, untouched and peaceful nature. Whaler's Way is the perfect place to set up camp for a few days and explore the really unbelievably harsh coastline of the Great Australian Bight. Most who discover Whaler's Way do so either by accident or by word of mouth. And it was the least discussed park that we'd ever heard of, um, but we, I actually knew about it long before um, the topic came up. And you can find find it on the radar obviously by visiting the Port Lincoln Tourist Information Centre which we really suggest you begin your Port Lincoln adventures from there. Others stumble across the hidden beauty through travels of exploring Port Lincoln and beyond and aside from the obvious great white shark cage dive and seal swim in the bay Port Lincoln has held the buried treasure of Whalers Way for a long time. It's been privately owned and operated since 1887 and Whaler's Way land has been allowing access to the general public for a, for a time, obviously, and it's been most easily accessible by paying for and picking up a key from the tourist centre or purchasing a pass online for 40 bucks. You receive a key code access the lock gate. 
So your first night's pass gives you access to the entire park as well as a first night's stay and there's over 14 different campsites and viewpoints to visit and there's a fair amount to see and do while in Whalers Way so make sure and we would recommend staying at least two to four days if you enjoy taking your time. So if you look at a map of Whalers Way you'll soon come to realise why it's named. So the entire structure is anatomically anatomically shaped similar to that of a whale's tail albeit pretty fat well from the entrance of the park um, almost instantly it gives you access to your first and in our opinion unrivaled access to the sheer power and beauty and the mightiness of the southern ocean of course that southern ocean heads to the great australian bight on the topic of the bight once again if you look at a map of the southern coastline of the whole of australia you realize it appears that someone or something has taken a big bite out of the country and hence that's where the name comes from The swimming hole is your first glimpse at nature. It's a small, sharp track accessible via car and it leads you to an enclosed steel ladder which is bolted to the side of the cliff where you can sort of head your way down and follow the path to the swimming hole. It's a small rock pool that is formed from the crashing waves leaving sun-soaked ocean pool whereas on the other side it's harsh and often dangerously crashing uh, waves against the cliff face. It is not advised to venture beyond this point as there are just freak waves that are known to suddenly appear and they'll take you out to see. To the southeast corner of the park lies Cape Wiles which is an absolutely beautiful lookout that sits on top of a cliff which offers a real higher than normal vantage point over the cliff face and obviously the rocks below. If you have your zoom lens, zoom lens, zoom lens handy or a set of binoculars you will make out the distinct black shapes moving on the rocks below. This is of course a colony of Australian fur seals that seek refuge from the waves and the predators of the deep blue in favour of sunbathing and a tan and they're great to watch. Less than 3k's from the swimming hole uh, as the crow flies and a steep and rocky descent with your car to the bottom it makes a really easy viewpoint along the journey of Whaler's Way. And the great thing too about Whaler's Way folks is there's entertainment at every single viewpoint. All along the southern region of the park are gravel turnouts that lead you almost to the cliff's edge and they will require you to walk for the best views. We recommend having a vehicle capable of tackling dirt and sharp gravel roads. Now, other points of interest along here include a Blue Whale Bay, Moonlight Bay and views of Groper Bay. As always, we recommend having a four-wheel drive. Uh, gives certainly gives you plenty of peace of mind and uh, a spare tyre too. Our second most favourite point of the park was the only place we decided to stay the night and it's on the way of the far sort of southwest of the Blowhold and the Baleen Rock Pools they're known as. One of the best things to do in Whaler's Way is park your vehicle in the Blowhole Car Park, which is located at the bottom end of the trail. It's most easily noticed by the sign at the cliff edge that reads, Do not pass beyond here. Freak waves have killed six people. There are two sections of this area. I kid you not. Two sections of this area, the first being the baleen rock pools, which I guess to describe, it's a large collection of naturally carved rock pools, and they were formed once again by the harsh waves that continuously pound against the coast here. The Baleen Rock Pool is located a little ways down the cliff, around 50 metres before the cliff drops off into the ocean. And I must say, as beautiful as it is, it's neither safe nor secure at any time of the day to walk down and visit, and it should only be admired from a distance and they usually have a helicopter on standby. And the not-so-friendly cousin of the rock pool is located to the right. It is an incredibly stunning visual display of shooting water best viewed at sunset. So we chose the rather large roundabout car park to be our home for the night, albeit very windy and at times scary. It was the best and only nights uh, within Whaler's Way for us. The suburb of Whaler's Way, I guess you could describe it, is Sleaford, and it's a one-main road 
called Whaler's Way Road, which connects the entire park. But to get here, you simply follow Whaler's Way Road as far west as you can, turn left at the signs towards Baleen Rock Pools and the blowhole just before the roundabout. And as you leave the blowhole heading up towards the entrance, there's a small sign on the left that reads the Caves and Old Whaleman's Grotto. You follow the sharp rocks down the boulders to the water's edge and on your right-hand side are massive caves dug out of the side of the cliff over thousands of years of, of sort of erosion formation. The caves, are I think they were, what was it, um, 2,643 million years old or something and form the oldest known rock formations anywhere in South Australia. Now they do continue for quite some time hugging the coastline towards Red Banks Beach, a track only accessible by four-wheel drive. And in the distance you'll see the large windmill farm that rides the southwest coast of the Eyre Peninsula. In between Red Bluff Beach and the old Whaleman's Grotto is the Thigstone Crevice that's definitely worth seeing if you decide to travel that far. The entirety of the road that leaves around the track is unsealed with certain parts being a little bit more tricky to manoeuvre so I silly recommend that you grab yourself a sturdy vehicle or a four-wheel drive. It's got to be a capable vehicle. Another reason for this is there's also no reception within Whaler's Way hence getting a low tow truck will be very difficult and when you can organise it so also very expensive. So Whaler's Way largely unprotected, unsheltered from the harsh weather conditions all year round so make sure you've got the appropriate clothing for the occasion. It is crucial you do so. If you plan a trip down South Australia and want to travel the roads less ventured, or the roads less travelled, then Whaler's Way is the perfect place to plant yourself for a few days, not forgoing the other beautiful parks like the Lincoln National Park, Coffin Bay National Park, and of course the rest of the beautiful Eyre Peninsula. This week's The Road Less Travel podcast coming to you from the beautiful rugged coastline on the west coast of the air peninsula mighty west coast we'll call it on the east side it's um you'll find sort of the cute seaside towns on the east coast rugged coastline on the west and as many as premium oysters as you can indulge in for our next destination coffin bay is a 35-minute drive from Port Lincoln, one of the most popular destinations on the Eyre Peninsula. This little town has everything you could want from a beachside getaway. It's got stunning vistas, a national park of long white beaches. And when I say white beaches, they are the purest white beaches I think I've ever been to. There's two options too, calm waters, perfect for everything from fishing to scuba diving. Scuba diving? Scuba diving. Of course, all these same waters are also home to the most sought-after oysters in Australia. The Oyster Walk is a great way to explore the town's interesting mix of shops, cafes and holiday homes. Neighbouring Coffin Bay National Park is also brilliant for walkers and that rewards them with beautiful beaches and super abundant wildlife. Though bikes and kayaks can be hired from the Coffin Bay boat water and bike hire to go that little bit further. The newly developed Yarnbala offers a different way to get to know Coffin Bay, hosting eco-tours and evening events which combines local produce and bush tucker with live music in the wilderness. Oyster lovers are drawn to Coffin Bay by the promise of the town's most famous delicacy and thanks to tasting tours, farm tours, cruise operators and a few oyster bars, they don't leave disappointed and you won't either. 
Greenley Beach and Coles Point is a 35-minute drive further west. They're also popular spots with their long sandy beaches and also Instagram-worthy rock pool photos as well. There's coastal camping in the area, which is a very popular activity and for good reason too, with multiple campgrounds dotted all along the coast. I really get really invite you to visit airpeninsula.com. And that on that website too, you can book and be sure to camp responsibly and only in designated areas to protect the environment. And if roughing it isn't your thing, there's several caravan parks, including the Coffin Bay Caravan Park and the Port Lincoln North Shields Caravan Park too. There are privately owned campgrounds at Kiana and Dutton Bay and you'll find a great little cafe now at Dutton Bay. It's part of the museum which is located inside the state heritage listed Mount Dutton Wool, Mount Dutton Bay rather, Woolshed. Now the Road Less Travel podcast really started with, this is a little bit of a background story, we started travelling Australia when I was a kid and we started travelling doing plenty of camping trips and that's, I've always grown up, we've been out on the road travelling, camping, bush adventures, all the rest of it. We uh, left Victoria in 19. 19- 85, 86 to travel around Australia. Mum and Dad packed up everything, uh, sold houses, sold businesses, um, sold furniture, put everything into storage, bought a caravan, four-wheel drive, uh, a, a tinny, put it on the roof, and we travelled around Australia. And we left um, Melbourne. We um, did some touring all up around the riverland of South Australia, through South Australia, and ended up at Coffin Bay and spent probably about 18 months to two years living and working at Coffin Bay. I did school by correspondence. My first job was at Coffin Bay at the Beachcomber Agencies, which was the post office. And uh, we spent many happy days at Coffin Bay down on the jetty at night um, fishing obviously it was a real sort of fantastic laid-back way to enjoy the area so I've got a lot of time for Coffin Bay one of my favorite destinations and I was keen to share that with Jeff and he just uh, absolutely fell in love with it too so I really recommend that you jump onto the Air Peninsula especially these particular destinations and check them out for yourself on the far west coast have over a third of the state's coastline which ranges from the you know stunning cliffs of the great australian bite through the high energy coastal beaches of the south and west coasts and also estuaries and bays through the great australian bight and all the way up to spencer gulf to port augusta in christmas 2020 i don't think any of us expected to see the huge number of visitors we saw unprecedented levels of visitors visiting these coastal camping sites causing huge amounts of destruction. We saw rubbish and litter strewn everywhere, people making their own tracks where tracks didn't exist before. We saw people cutting fences. Uh, These sites simply aren't currently set up to handle that number of visitors. We could see the real damage that's happened in such a short period of time. People exploring and actually going off-road a bit and not following what we had in place already We had campers camping in car parks, issues with people using the coastal dunes as a toilet, fires in fire ban season, people tearing down uh, wood for fires. It really had an impact on the area. If we could have coastal campsites that are well set up with uh, good infrastructure, well delineated campsites and a booking system in place so people can book their campsite, rock up, be confident that it's available and also understand if the campsite's already full that they need to book or go elsewhere. It's obviously a very beautiful spot but there is a need to better manage it so that there is an improvement of the visitor experience. 
and so that we can protect the site so that it can be enjoyed for the future. Summertime is our busiest time here on the Air Peninsula. We've got beautiful warm weather, everyone's coming to the coast. Our online booking system is available for all national parks across the state. So people go on our website through parksa.com and they book online. People like the fact that they can book somewhere and then they've got that security when they leave home that they've got somewhere to set up and stay. Nice to get out of your own patch and, and have a look around and you know it's a, it's a lovely natural environment. You know, we love the sea, we love fishing, we love bushwalking, kids love riding their bikes. In the past we've, we've gone to parks where you can't pre-book and it's a bit of a up in the air, do you get there, is someone on your site that you're hoping to get to, so this is fantastic. When you're driving that far you want to have that peace of mind when you arrive that your campsite's here and waiting for you and that you're going to have a positive experience, that you're not going to be elbowed out by other campers who are also looking for a spot at that same patch. It also provides you with an opportunity to foresee whether or not there's availability at that campsite, so it manages the visitor numbers. The last thing that you want to do is drive 10 hours to come to the Air Peninsula only to be side by side with other campers. You want to have those experiences in nature where you can just relax. There's some great places that would make um, great, uh, you know, proper camping spots. We need funding. It's about caring for these special places. Create a continuity across the Air Peninsula, so whether you're at Elliston, Streaky, Cow, wherever, it's the same message, it's the same country and coastline. Just respect it and follow the same guidelines the whole way along the coast. Respect what's there, leave it as you found it. The appeal of the Air Peninsula is that we have these wide open spaces, you know, these empty beaches, these beautiful experiences in nature. So we want to make sure that people have access to them and can continue to enjoy them for the future. I really recommend too if you have the opportunity to stay in Coffin Bay and the Coffin Bay National Park, allow three to five nights because the Air Peninsula didn't earn its reputation as the seafood frontier for nothing and as I mentioned earlier for fresh oysters, if you're in search of fresh oysters you look no further than Coffin Bay. The town hosts fantastic seafood and nature tours, shells out, get shells out some of the tastiest oysters in the country and once you've sampled a dozen or two, head to Coffin Bay National Park to experience the stunning coastal wilderness. Don't miss a chance to go swimming or fishing at Almonte Beach and admire the spectacular ocean views, views rather from Point of Void. Between the town and the national park, you can easily spend five or more days in the area. Three nights is the minimum that I really recommend. You need to explore the beaches and camp in the park there. Where to stay in Coffin Bay? Well, there are a number of bush campgrounds scattered throughout the park. Yanji Bay Campground is only uh, the only spot suitable for two-wheel drive vehicles or caravans, but there's several great spots for four-wheel drive campers. We especially like and recommend Black Springs, which has limited facilities, but it feels perfectly remote. Or alternatively, you could stay in town and drive into the park for daily adventures. The town is only Coffin Bay Town. It's only 20 minutes away and has a few caravan parks and hotels as well. And uh, really recommend that you spend some time there. So from Coffin Bay you start to explore the mightiness of the west coast of the Air Peninsula. Greenlee Beach and Rock Pools would allow one to two days there and make sure, well you would have anyway, but pack your camera along as you explore the picturesque Greenlee Beach and its famous Rock Pools. The Air Peninsula has lots and I mean lots of lovely beaches but Greenlee Beach it's always seems to be a crowd favourite and you can spend an afternoon, afternoon swimming or surfing on the beach and in the day with a soak in the natural rock pools. Where to stay at Greenlee Beach, this spot is for self-sufficient campers and caravans only. There are no facilities at this beautiful wild campground. 
Next stop, Loxwell Beach is a day stop. Make sure you make a pit stop for Loxwell Beach to marvel at the gorgeous coastline from the lookout there. You can head down the wooden steps to walk along the peaceful sandy beach that's known to be a fishing hotspot, and I can guarantee it is. Drop a line and have a go at fishing for mighty Australian salmon. Then you're on to the Clifftop Drive uh, near Alliston, another place that I can spend a lot of time talking to you about. We live there too. We ran the caravan park there at Waterloo Bay. It's a scenic drive in the glow of the evening sunset, and that is a must. It's an Air Peninsula staple. There are just fantastic scenery sunsets to watch there. There are two clifftop drives at Alliston that offer stunning views of the sea. There's Anxious Bay and Little Bay. And don't forget your camera there to capture shots of the unique sculptures um, to best is described like giant thongs and Easter Island heads that dot the coastline known as clogs. And of course, look out for the surfers or hop aboard, hop aboard your board yourself at Blackfellows Beach. Sharinga is Sharinga Beach, another awesome place to spend the night parked up beside massive sand dunes and crashing waves. It's a self-sufficient site with drop dunnies and waste bins, so it's great for tent and camper vans too. You can spend the day fishing for Australian salmon or surfing the waves before settling into camp under the stars there. And where to stay at Sharinga Beach? You can camp at the beach for $10 per night. And facilities there include flush toilets and limited water source there too. You can now head to Talia and Woolshed Caves. You can spend one night or maybe just use it as a day stop. The massive waves that hit this stunning coastline have carved out granite caverns right on the shore. And the Woolshed Cave is known for its intricate honeycomb ceiling while the tarb makes for a hidden adventure to the sea. You'll want to visit the caves at low tide so it's a good excuse to spend the night there. Where to stay at Talia Caves? Well, it offers self-sufficient bush camping just across the road from the day car park. It's a free camp with no facilities. There is no mobile phone reception, so come prepared if you plan on spending the night there. On to Mount Camel Beach where you can do that as a day stop or one to two nights, so totally up to you. If you're yet to squeeze in some of Air Peninsula's fishing, Mount Camel Beach will be calling your name. It is known for excellent, and I can attest to this, known for excellent year-round surf fishing. The beach sees huge waves and unspoilt golden sands. You can look out for sea lions there too and explore this wildlife-rich region on a day trip. And you can stay, this area is home to beautiful remote sort of eco-luxury now called the Camel Beach House. The lodge consists of self-sufficient cabins that offer views of the coastline there too. Then it's on to Venus Bay. Visitors come to Venus Bay in search of peaceful waters and gorgeous sunsets. They won't be leaving disappointed either. The islands and rugged cliff uh, paint a really magical view of the Air Peninsula. And here you can spend the night at a powered beachfront campsite at the caravan park or make a day stop to look out for the Needle Eye. It's a unique rock formation with a hole running through it that you can't miss. On to Murphy's Haystack, or you can use that as a day trip or a stopover. You can make a day stop at Murphy's Haystack to walk among these huge rock pillars and boulders that date back millions of years. This unique wind-worn rock is formation, some of Australia's oldest, and it makes for a quintessential Air Peninsula photo. The giant pink granite boulders are a great backdrop for a picnic lunch there too. And on to Baird Bay, it's one of the premier destinations in South Australia to swim with the sea lions and the dolphins. You can join a tour to frolic in the water with the friendliest of sea lions. It's a fun and unique experience, certainly well worth doing. And after your tour, you can then head to Point Labatt and walk along the viewing platform that overlooks the Point Labatt Sea Lion Colony. 
And here you will obviously catch a glimpse of the only, and it is the only, native sea lions that live permanently on the Australian mainland. We're going to take a quick break here on the Road Less Travel. When we come back, we will wrap up the west coast of the mighty Air Peninsula in South Australia. Back with more in just a moment, listening to the Road Less Travelled. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast, hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the Road Less Travel. This week we are on the west coast of the Air Peninsula. Westerway Loop is a day stop. It's a 32-kilometre scenic coastal drive which hugs the rocky shores of the western Air Peninsula and it also delivers on stunning ocean views. You can follow Westerway Loop to Smooth Pool where you can swim or snorkel in an ancient rock pool. And this drive takes about two to three hours with stops at Smooth Pool and also the Granite Surf Beach. You can close your eyes and listen to the gentle whistle of the wind at Whistling Rocks, Cape Wadoma, and that you can use as a day stop too. Whipping through the holes in the eroded cliffs there, the gentle whistling of the wind is giving its name to obviously Whistling Rocks, which is an interesting phenomena on Cape Wadoma that creates an almost eerie sensory experience. You can head down the wooden boardwalk to the blowhole and listen to the rocks whistle while the sea mist water, sea water mist rather, hits your face. It's quite spooky. Then it's on to Streaky Bay where you can spend one night. You can use it as a day stop or however long you want. It's yet another oyster-worthy stop on the seafood frontier. And Streaky Streaky Bay, it boasts fabulous beaches and mouth-watering seafood, as much of the Air Peninsula does too. There isn't much not to do in Streaky Bay itself, but eat and enjoy the nearby beaches. But the town makes for a nice little stop overnight if you're not self-sufficient in your camping or touring setup, so you can use it as a little destination. A must-have is to have fish and chips at Streaky Bay on the beach. And where to stay? Well, we recommend spending the night, if you can, and waking up to the sparkling Air Peninsula waters from Tractor Beach. You'll have to be self-sufficient, but there are toilets and striking views from every site. And alternatively, there is a caravan park in town and a couple of hotels as well. Why is it called Tractor Beach? They use tractors to launch and retrieve their boats from the seawater. And it's quite interesting sitting there on the beach watching them launching and retrieving boats with all kinds of modes of tractors from right through to the 1930s, 1940s tractors. It was quite an eye-opener when we were watching. Paluby Beach, two to three nights you can spend there. And that is because Air Peninsula beaches, they are known to be spectacular and Paluby is no exception. Now, the white sandy beach is hard packed, so it's suitable for two-wheel drive vehicles, but those with four-wheel drives obviously can explore even further. Paluby is quite an unassuming little beach, but it's kind of a place that you will fall in love with as soon as you arrive. There are magical sunsets, the beach is spectacular, and the little shaded sort of cabanas on the beach make it a favourite spot for a few days or more of swimming, paddling, fishing, or just relaxing. You can stay at the low-cost campground right on the beach. That was a favourite campsite on the peninsula, one of our favourite. We recommend spending two to three nights at one of the self-sufficient sites. It is, I must say, it is a pretty popular spot for visitors and locals as it's got toilets, showers and water. The campground has an honesty box where a $10 donation per night is suggested. 
On to Smoky Bay. You can make a day stop at Smoky Bay. Stretch your legs while looking out over the crashing surf waves at St Mary's Beach. You can also head down to the jetty and buy some oysters for lunch and spend the day walking the trails at Laura Bay Conservation Park. The peaceful sheltered bays offer real excellent fishing and gorgeous scenery. Then it's on to Sejuna. And as you make your way up the west coast of the Air Peninsula, make a day stop at the rugged beach town of Sejuna. It is home to Oyster Fest, which is the pristine waters of obviously bursting with just all matters of marine life where you can, of course, eat oysters, go fishing or just admire the beautiful Aboriginal art there. I recommend you stop by the Sejuna Aboriginal Arts and Cultural Centre to see vibrant local artwork and get a handmade souvenir to remember your visit and take a walk down to the jetty at Sejuna as well. And what better way to end a road trip than with a whale-watching tour in beautiful Fowler's Bay. Fowler's Bay is located on the northwest edge of the Eyre Peninsula and it is a hot spot for whales migrating in the winter. You can book a tour or see them right from the land as you're fishing off the jetty or rolling around on the huge sand dunes, not the whales obviously you're rolling around on the huge sand dunes they are pristine no matter how many stops you can include in your air peninsula road trip or how many nights weeks you can dedicate to this adventure we hope that you'll fall in love with the region as quickly as we did it is just absolutely magical and i again recommend that you jump onto the website which is you can also visit southaustralia.com and check out the destinations air peninsula or jump onto airpeninsula.com and find out for yourself while it's a Australia's seafood frontier, the mighty Air Peninsula in South Australia. And if you want to find out more about the east coast of Air Peninsula, jump on to episode 11 of series 2 where we did that particular trip from Wyala all the way down to Port Lincoln. And of course, the Air Peninsula, it's a triangular peninsula bounded by Spencer Gulf on the east and the Great Australian Bight on the west and the Gawler Ranges on the north, which we'll visit at another episode. Originally, it was called Ayres Peninsula. It was named after explorer Edward John Eyre and he explored parts of the peninsula between the eight, in the 1830s to 1840s. The coastline was first charted by the expeditions of my friend Matthew Flinders in 1801 and French explorer Nicholas Borden around the same time. And Flinders also named the nearby York Peninsula and Spencer's Gulf on the same voyage. The peninsula's economy is primarily agricultural, with growing aquaculture, mining and tourism really starting to boom. The main towns, Port Lincoln in the south, Wyala and Port Augusta in the northeast, and Sejuna in the northwest. Make sure you put it on your bucket list. It is a fantastic place to visit for not only maybe a week, but uh, extended if you can do it for months at a time. Do it. We did it for years and it was absolutely brilliant back in the 1980s. Revisited it again recently and it's a place and a destination that will certainly be logged in many more visits to come in the future. That's it for this week's edition of the Road Less Travel Podcast. My name is Nikki Shea. Trust that you've enjoyed it. Please share the show with your friends. Give us a like. Give us a review. And I hope to catch you out there soon on the road that's it for now take care we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening bye for now thanks for listening the road less traveled is presented by nikki shea and produced by fat cat media 